0: people talk a lot about spiritual succession and i'm like well if it's anything like regular succession i'll watch it every sunday night it'll make me feel like i'm having an entertaining panic attack welcome to triple click where we bring the games to you this week we're talking about spiritual successors and what it means for one game to capture and recreate the spirit of another game also what it's like to be followed by a pope but not the pope let's get into it i'm kirk hamilton
1: I'm Maddie Myers.
0: And I'm Jason Schreier. And hello. Hello. It's us. It sure is. It's us. Yet again. Again, again, again. One of the great constants in my life is seeing the two of you on (laughs) Skype and talking into a microphone about video games each week. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. It's us again. Thank goodness that we get to make this show. And thank goodness (laughs) for all of the Maximum Fun members who make it possible for us to make this show. This is a totally listener-supported show. You probably know that if you listen because we say it at the top of every episode, but that doesn't make it any less true. We are totally supported by you, Maximum Fun members out there. And if you would like to support us making this show, this show that we want to make, the way we want to make it, with no sponsors and no corporate influence, no bullshit, (laughs) just three people and the truth about video games, if you want to support that... (laughs) Um, wow. Uh, you know, it's Kirk a, Greenwald really, over here. Really
1: bringing an energy. I gotta, you got to raise yeah. the
0: stakes. <laughs> you got to raise the stakes when you're giving people the sell. Anyways, if you'd like to support us, we would love that. You can go to uh, maximumfundorg slash join. Thank you so much to everybody who's been a member uh, over whenever, however long you remember supporting us making this show. Uh, we really, really
2: appreciate you. Again, that is MaximumFun.org slash join. And shout out to this week's bonus episode, which was on the Outer outer Wilds. Oh, yeah. Wild that's event. right. Did and you almost say fun. Outer
1: Worlds? Is that is that why you paused? No, it's not. good I added a I accidentally
2: added a the you know, to outer wilds.
0: I mix wo- yeah. I have words that I mix up all the time, but I've ne- I don't think I've ever mixed up Outer Worlds and Outer Wilds, and I'm very proud of that. Yes, we did a bonus Congrats. episode. That you will, you get all of the bonus episodes we've ever done if you become a member. and It's true, um, you do. Mm-hmm. We did all an episode on Outer Wilds, Echoes of the Eye. That was a really, really but fun. This one. week's
2: it was very fun. That's why I wanted to. Yes, yeah, so it was very fun. Really fun. Fun, fun to just like totally Spoiler-tastic. spoiler tastic. a lot game, of beans
1: yeah. spilled all over the desks mm-hmm. of each of the three of us. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yeah,
0: good stuff. Still cleaning up, still finding beans. But...
2: And then you had to figure out how those beans <laughs> were spilled by carefully recreating the scene and <laughs> carrying an artifact to the beans. It's yeah. true. It's true. Yeah. It's a complicated. Yep.
1: You one of those gravity crystals like near the beans so mm-hmm. that they all like actually land on the desk properly. Mm-hmm. Supposed to just floating around your spaceship. That's true. That'd be a real mess. That would be a mess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, people who haven't played Outer Wilds have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> yes, let's talk about video games. Maddie, you're uh, you're leading us on this this uh, what should be a very interesting conversation. What are we talking about this week?
1: We are doing a what's the deal? Cue the bass riff. What's the deal?
0: What's the deal with
1: spiritual with? successors, which
0: spiritual successors is a
1: term that is used in video games so often that today I tried to Google spiritual successor films and TV shows and Google kept asking me if I meant video games. And <laughs> I, I don't know if that's because Google knows me or because this is a term that gamers truly use a lot. I think because games really do lend themselves to this as an art form for a lot of industry-related reasons and also just practical and logistical reasons. Mm -hmm. It's easier to build a game on top of a previous game that somebody else already made or perhaps that you yourself made. So just from a mechanical standpoint, making a spiritual successor to a previous game, much easier. But also, in researching this episode, I found a lot of Funny and tragic stories about sequels that should have been actual sequels but ended up having to be legally distinct sequels Mm. due to IP rights issues and any number Mm. of other related shenanigans nice. so maddie what's so, this
2: rubric i see you made a kirk style taxonomy for spiritual
1: <laughs> i made a kirk style taxonomy jason thought that kirk made this taxonomy without reading it if he'd read it he would have known it was mine yes it's very it's
0: clearly a maddie taxonomy once you start reading written
1: it. in my voice if you will mm-hmm. uh much uh I don't know how to even describe what my voice would be. Kirk, you could, you could write cutesy little names like this. You just, you just choose not to, you choose to do. Kirk would write.
2: No. Well, so you wrote one of these is called the stapler and in parentheses, it says, this is an office space reference. See, Kirk would have just written the stapler, but you would have explained this is an office space reference in your wry tone. That's the Maddie. Because
1: I, again, I cite my sources and Mm -hmm. I just want to make sure that the the reader or listener knows where something's coming from. Like if this were an article, I would have linked to the office. But anyway, Anyway, Explain.
2: Yeah. I, I, I want to hear all four of them. What are what are the four? Give us. The yeah, four. what are the four types of spiritual successor?
1: Sure. These are these are the four, and I will say there's some overlap between these. Of course, these are not discrete. It's always a gradient. Types. This is this is not so much a gradient as a complex Venn diagram. Okay, a
0: complex mm. Venn diagram.
1: So <laughs> the first one, the first one is what I call the legally distinct sequel, and I described it as the original studio or creators lose access to the IP, the rights, and they have to go their own way. Mm, so Fleetwood Mac style, Baldur's Gate, and Dragon Age Origins is is a is a good example okay. here. Mm. Um, the stapler which is an Office Space reference. Thanks for explaining Um, that. uh, The character who takes the stapler with them, of course. Uh, Developers quit but form a new studio that makes a game very similar to the one they made at their prior studio, such as Mm. Blizzard veterans making Torchlight, which we talked about on our Diablo episode, if people want to go back and listen to that. And the third category, I would say this one has a lot of overlap with the stapler, but it's it's kind of its own version of the stapler Mm. that I call the solo comeback tour. And it is the original creator of a highly su- successful game that was canceled or underappreciated in its time returns, by which I mean the creator returns, often via crowdfund, to play the hits again. Uh-huh. So this is like a bloodstained ritual of the night uh-huh. uh, mm-hmm. was, is Castlevania, but it's not Castlevania. Mighty Number no. 9 is Maga Man, but it's not, etc. These are games that were funded on the spirit of the people at the helm of each of the games, like uh-huh. Igarashi and Inifune not being involved in those Kickstarters probably wouldn't have allowed them to succeed as much as they did. And then the fourth category is what I call the fan letter, which is a fan of a popular game creates a tribute that may or may not fix the original game in some way. Probably the best example of this is Stardew Valley, mm. which fixes Harvest Moon And it's made by just one person. And my other examples are also made by just one person. I had Axiom Verge and then I had Undertale Mm -hmm. here. And I just thought it was Mm -hmm. interesting that those were all one person operations. I don't know what that says about like the amount of fanish fervor that you need to make a game that is a commentary on or like improvement to a specific other game. Or I don't know if that just lends itself well to the solar creator lifestyle. But the fact that there are three examples says something. So. Kirk, Jason, what do you think about my rubric? Are you ready to get into it? I like it a lot.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I like it a lot too. All of
1: the crossovers I found. I
0: think that it's really interesting. I think what you said in the intro is also interesting about how video games lend themselves to the idea of a spiritual successor. Because that's not really a term that I thought of that much before I kind of got back into video games Back in the 2000s, like you could like there's totally things like uh, Stranger Things is a spiritual successor to the Goonies, right? Like there are totally.
1: Or E.T. Uh, or, yeah.
0: Well, sure. Like that to a lot of those kinds of things. But like to that. but You call that media. inspiration.
1: Right, and it's sort of a
0: more nebulous or an homage, right? In art, like is Vampire Weekend a spiritual successor to Paul Simon's Graceland, or is it just sort (laughs) of an homage? That'd be so
2: weird. (laughs) Like, yeah, no one's gonna
0: describe it that way. But in games, it's used all the time, and I think it's because. It's, it's not that different than just making art that's inspired by something, but because you can take actual game mechanics and use them freely, because yeah. they aren't patented, they aren't controlled in that way, you can really make a game like Dishonored, for example, which is the spiritual successor to Thief, and is... Just plays like a thief game and works like a thief game. And when you play it, you get the same feeling as a thief game, which just feels somehow distinct because you're actually Mm -hmm. doing it, and because the thing that you're doing is something that you can like recreate over and over again without worrying about, I guess, being sued for it. Mm
1: -hmm. And it's also completely socially acceptable to say for the Dishonored devs to say this is inspired by Thief, literally. Hmm. Like we liked Mm -hmm. Thief, we liked the stealth mechanics in Thief, and here we go. Here, here those are, which they've said in in some interviews, and that's not. Weird. I mean, it is a legally distinct sequel, I guess, but it's. I don't know. It's it's just interesting that that's socially acceptable in games to just say like, it's not just that it's inspired by, it, it's like we really liked this and we took it.
2: Mm. Well, because games, unlike movies or books, um, the story isn't the only thing. In a movie the story mm-hmm. is the only thing. In a book, the story is the only thing. And they're all enhanced by all the things all the other things. The book is enhanced the story is enhanced in a book by the, the scenes and the characters and the movie in a movie by the music and the art and stuff. But it's the story is the thing. Whereas in a game, it's kind of a lot of different things but also the gameplay as a thing isn't like a story in that it can be copied in some way it's more like um i don't know it's kind of like music in that it's iterated on constantly and so like it's like it's you can't you're nobody's going to be like oh man they ripped off my chord progression for this music song because everybody well. knows that like w- <laughs> well, well you okay, could sue maybe that's a bad example but no like, keep going cuz like, i think this is interesting and have a thought on the, it but the point keep, is keep that well, so the point is that every single video game ever made is building on mechanics from previous games. Like there's a certain verbiage to a game where like, I mean, how many games have you picked up where the right stick controls the camera and the left stick controls right. walking, right? It's like there's a language that game designers have just developed collectively over time. And so it's less of like there isn't really any ownership over game mechanics in the way that there might be over art or story or music and, and, and other things just because there is no way to claim ownership over over like the way the gameplay works. It just it just doesn't work like that. And then once in a while you get a game clone, like 2048 cloning threes or something like that, which is a different conversation. But in terms of just like building on, like, I don't know, like Stardew Valley, I mean he, Eric Barone, I wrote about this in, in my first book. He met with the creator of Harvest Moon who was like who who loved the game and was like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's there's kind of a a, a, a more of an appreciation and more of like people deliberately building on each other's work in gameplay than there might be in other other forms of media that I think are easier to just like copy and and rip off.
0: Yeah, there's a there's sort of a different culture for each of these art forms and actually the more we talk about music, the more I'm thinking about how there are well there are definitely copyright disputes, right? And a lot of them are kind of like I'm not a huge fan in general of music copyright like Disputes like the ones I don't know the Katy Perry one recently. This guy like sued Katy Perry. It was sort of ridiculous. Yeah, but that,
2: it's more that's a little bit more specific things that they're disputing. Yes, over, no, as no, I like, know
0: it's it's totally different. Yeah. But I think that there's this in actual like the actual honest conversation between musicians there's a lot of talk of like oh I totally stole that from so and so oh yeah I Mm -hmm. like that was such and such like I took this idea for this sort of groove from this and mixed it with that and like took this instrumentation Dave Grohl
2: just said that in an interview Dave Grohl just said like all of his Nirvana drumming was like stolen from oh yeah that was I yeah I listened to that interview
0: I actually thought it was funny that people were treating that like it was a big deal when musicians talk like that all the time like I steal Uh everything like just like everyone (laughs) does Because that's sort of, like you said, that's how any art form, there's this constant conversation going on. And especially with the, that's kind of the more mechanical part of music, right? It's like you're stealing, oh, well, it was just Uh kind of this way that the guy was hitting the cymbal or the way they mic'd something or like a way that they you know, amped the guitar. Mm -hmm.
1: Like production techniques. Right. Like even learning like oh drums a snare sounds really interesting if you mix it backwards and then you just duplicate that a billion times and then like that becomes really popular for a while but like one person came up with it and who you can't own something Mm -hmm. like that. Like that's sort of like the equivalent of like hit a button to hit cover in Gears of War which I know Gears wasn't even the first game to do that but it popularized it. It felt really good in that game and then tons and tons of other games have done it since then, and it's not like anyone can really be mad about it. It's just like, oh yeah, that's a technique you can throw into right. a game and have it feel really good.
0: So I guess, or like sidechain compression is something where like someone did that for the yep. first time, and now there's like sidechain for a while. There was like sidechain compression on everything, and it was just a sound, mm-hmm. which is like that's all more mechanical and actually more like games than some other things. It's sort of similar to like you know camera tricks that people will borrow from like Hong Kong action movies when they make movies. Yes. You know, the technical stuff does allow itself to be to be borrowed a little bit more explicitly. and video games are so technical and made up of so many pieces like that that there's it's a lot easier to just grab things wholesale and Mm -hmm. use them again
2: so the other thing about games i think that that really makes them right for this for spiritual successors and us all being thrilled about spiritual successors instead of being like hey you copied that thing is that games unlike movies and music go obsolete really quickly and so like Mm. if i want to recreate the feelings that i had when i played Mega Man back in the day um Playing the old one might just—I mean, I might enjoy it, but like, I not not that much because <laughs> it feels—it's okay to say today, that it's right? a rough hang. It's um, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I might enjoy it for nostalgic reasons, um, but like, it, to me, it's—I kind of want a new thing, and so seeing when and and combine that with the fact that a lot of these. Big video game companies are just have just totally abandoned some of these old franchises, and you get this ravenous hunger for these spiritual successors because it's like, A, um, we want something that feels modern that like has a that, right. that feels like it fits in by today's standards, and B, the company's not doing anything with this IP anyway, so like you're harming nobody by going out and being like, I'm gonna make a spiritual successor to Mega, successor to Mega Man. Although, I guess in Mighty Number no. Nine's case, you might be harming some people when they actually play the game and they're like, Man, this sucks, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just to get that in there. Well,
1: that's that is yeah. actually a part of the conversation, though, yeah. because there is a "you can never go home again" aspect to Mighty Number no. 9 in particular, and also like to an extent "Bloodstain Ritual of the yeah. Night" and like some of these other ones where it's like, well, you're recapturing something here, but it's not quite how I remember feeling in 1987 when I played it, or, or who I'm, I'm imagining a hypothetical person because I was one years old at that time. <laughs> I wasn't doing that, uh, but it, I do think that some of these, some of the categories of like the solo comeback tour as I called it mm-hmm. always felt a little bittersweet to me and when I see those big splashy crowd funds I tend to be skeptical it's pretty rare to have an example of one of these where it Really does scratch there the are itch. there
2: are a few that worked out. Pillars of Eternity was a really good game, and that was a good example of that. Ukulele um, yeah. uh, uh, was really well reviewed, and that was right. the Magic Kazooie spiritual style. There are some examples, but yes, you're right. Sometimes you can't recreate that magic, and sometimes I think it's just the wrong people being involved. Like in in the case of Mega Man, like it wasn't necessarily that they got some of the the really talented like designers and artists who worked on the original franchise, as opposed to someone who's really like the key director who's bringing with him like with Suikoden for example um, that's I, I could talk about that forever but that for people who aren't familiar is an old Konami RPG series and, and the director uh, took along a bunch of he had left Konami ages ago, and the series was abandoned. But um, but he took along a couple of key people from the old series to work on the spiritual successor that that went big on Kickstarter. Ayudin Chronicles last year when it was when it was announced, um, he took along like the art director and, and a writer and some of the other key figures who were involved. And I think that is really the thing to look out for. And like, uh, as as more and more of these Kickstarters happen, I think the thing to look out for was always like. Who is involved here? Because that's the most important part.
0: Yeah, the defining games of that Kickstarter era or the defining game was Double Fine Adventure was um, Broken Age, which is, I think, a really Mm -hmm. interesting one in the context of this conversation, partly as a contrast to Thimbleweed Park, which I also think is a sort of interesting thing to think about. So let me see if I can explain what they were. Everybody probably knows what Broken Age was, but Double Fine Adventure was the sort of Tim Schafer and Ron Gilbert are going to come back and make the types of adventure games like Monkey Island that they made. This was the thing that sort of caused video game Kickstarters to blow up. And it was totally this. Mm -hmm. It was, we're going to make a spiritual successor to Maniac Mansion and Monkey Island. They started making the game together at some point Gilbert actually left. He was going to go do something else. You can watch a whole documentary about this whole process. It's really fantastic. We've talked about it a bunch of times on the show called Double Fine Adventure. Uh, It's on Mm -hmm. YouTube, and it's great. Um what's interesting about that is that they were gonna make a point and click adventure game to like make all the people happy who hadn't had a point and click adventure game in 10 years or whatever but then they wound up not I kind of not being able to resist making something different which is very double fine it's very true I think to Tim Schafer the the game's writers sort of his impulses as a creator is he's always like well I want to try something new let's do something new mm-hmm. and so the game is mm-hmm. just it's a kind of an odd game like it's not my favorite and it's not really it doesn't scratch the itch for me of like playing a point and click adventure game even though it kind of it is one but it's sort of simplified in some ways it, This way the storytelling and the art style work it just is kind of its own thing
2: well the first act is simplified and then they they reacted to the criticism by making the second act way too tough <laughs> right yeah. right yeah. there's also the, the difficulty
0: There's a there's a lot about that game
2: But it's just sort of interesting that they couldn't
0: resist going and making something different. So then Ron Gilbert goes, teams up with Gary Winnick, and they make Thimbleweed Park. And that game is, like, extremely true to Maniac Mansion and all that. Though I didn't finish it. Jason, I know you have, so maybe you can speak to that better. But I played a fair chunk of it, and that really gave me the nostalgia vibes. But also playing that, I was kind of like, okay... Like I don't really want to play a point and click adventure game <laughs> anymore. So like it, it was kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Uh, at least with those two games.
2: That's funny. I actually love that game until the ending, which that's was such what I'm a, remembering. The ending was very disappointing. Um, but but not the first Ron Gilbert game to have a, an ending that. Yeah. that I, I was, did really like was what I played. It was out. more.
0: It was a kind of you can't go home again. I was just kind of like okay. I'm a little bored.
2: <laughs> I'm like that's funny. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about recreating these childhood memories. I mean, yeah, you guys are right. You can't go home again because some of it is like mechanics that just uh, had to be in place at the time because they were the only. I mean, we talked about like how gameplay is just constantly building on itself. Back then, th- in the '80s, they didn't have anything to build on, right? They were pioneering this art form from the very beginning. So this concept of like an adventure game and the whole uh, the reason those came about is to tell stories because other games were not telling stories at the time for the most part and the kind of the verb system was this kind of messy like um, kind of simple like easy way to uh, do things without necessarily having to like give like the player Can I, in- give can I player... interject
0: just that I know that we have like young listeners and also people who maybe don't know what you mean can yeah, you explain yeah, what yeah. the verb system okay, so, is
2: Yeah what's the verb so system? A adventure game. So yeah so back in the day um, <laughs> oh instead of like instead of a- doing actions in the game you would kind of select them from this giant like table that would be on the bottom of your screen <laughs> Like so take it would up be, a like, quarter of the screen Look at, like walk to, yeah, yeah like push, Full of pull. verbs and so you would see something on screen and then you would have to click one of the verbs, and right. then click on the thing to do something with it. And that was kind of refined over time. And like Day yeah. of the Tentacle, um, wound up taking that to to a better direction and, and full like throttle. Making it simpler, like, and like yeah. like the verbs got simpler over time. And then eventually they turned into like coin wheels and like other other co- better ways of doing it. But now going back to the verbs, it just kind of feels like, oh man, like this is this feel this is not aged well. So I actually think part of the spiritual successor and the challenges with that is finding that balance between like recreating what fans want to see and also making a game feel like it it plays well in the modern era i actually think thimbleweed park did do a good job of that but yeah i mean if you're not used to like certain things you're kind of like man this is boring same with playing like an old school jrpg in in 2021 it's kind of like turn-based combat just (laughs) it it might have its moments at times i guess but sometimes it can be really boring um mm-hmm. as you guys as you guys know noted mm-hmm. uh, i
1: was curious jason while you're on that topic <laughs> i i found these these two examples on the internet i can't i can't confirm or deny if these are accurate but supposedly people see bravely default as a as a spiritual successor to final fantasy mm-hmm. 5 and they see octopath traveler as a spiritual successor to all of our favorite Final <laughs> Fantasy VI. And and there's already some speculation that uh, the game Triangle Strategy, which we've talked about a couple times on this show, it's it's not going to be out um, until next year, but it, it looks kind of cool. So, um, so,
2: okay, so, yeah, Triangle Strategy looks like Act by the Traveler because it's the same people, but that's like a Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah, success. that was my understanding. Triangle Strategy. Right? That's FF Tactics. Um, so that game I can't wait for that game. That I'm so excited for that game. But yes, that's the Final Fantasy Tactics. I mean, cuz
0: Final Fantasy Tactics is the best Final Fantasy game maybe?
1: Yeah. Um also on my list so, having having been preceded by Tactics Ogre. Yeah. It's a couple it's a couple of Oh, that's right, Tactics down. Ogre. They're all here, tactics. folks. Yeah. They're all I think here. Octopath
2: Traveler <laughs> tried aesthetically to be like Final Fantasy VI, but it's really more like um trying to it's really more like Saga Frontier or like Live a Live or some other old school JRPGs. The Bravely Default chain is really interesting because that actually came from a game called Final Fantasy IV: Heroes of Light that was on the DS, right. and that was really the Final Fan. That was kind of the beginning of the Bravely Default like chain, and it was all the same developers, and that was very much like we are recreating Final Fantasy like old school Final Fantasy. Not just five, but also like three has it has a lot from three, really closest to three, um, and a little bit of one as well. And so that kind of set the path of Bravely Default. Um, but I wouldn't even say like maybe it's spiritual successors. But when it's the same company and a lot of the same people, I wonder if it's almost like like just an evolution of the series that just has a different name, which I guess it, it could be a spiritual successor. Like, I, I guess, what, what would that be? I, mean, I have a whole category the here for yeah, this the, exact the, thing. But it's not the legally distinct.
1: Which I guess I should have put these JRPGs underneath this. Because no, but some it's of not.
2: Them- but it's not the legally distinct. Sequel because they still had Final Fantasy, they still own Final right. Fantasy, so it's more like right. the sequel with another name. Like, that that no, might be the best. That's way to a legal distinction, though, like
0: right? Isn't that kind of? I mean, that is legally the same. no, but
2: it's not for legal reasons, is the point, oh, like, right? Like, it's not like right. they lost I see. access sure, to sure. the franchise, yeah. Like, there are some um, other
1: examples that I have here that are in that category. Like, for example, Perfect Dark was built on top of Goldeneye 007, wonderful mm-hmm. games, both, but. Perfect Dark is much more pleasurable to play because they just fixed a lot of the things that felt finicky in Goldeneye. Mm-hmm. And also they introduced this whole story of Joanna Dark. She's a badass. Can't wait for the reboot.
2: Well, I assume they <laughs> lost the James Bond license and that's why they did. Or they didn't want to deal with it. Some And sometimes it's like they might not want that to I deal with it. That license. I
1: don't know. I didn't look up that story, although I looked up most of the other ones. Like I mentioned Dragon Age Origins and it's apparently the reason why this happened is because supposedly Bioware made an accounting error and lost the Baldergate's rights because of that, which seems incredibly absurd if it's true i couldn't That's find so a great funny. source on that but we can leave a link in the show notes to where where um one of the developers was quoted on that
2: i 100 believe that there's a story in sports yeah. about a guy who like uh, whose agent f- like missed the deadline for faxing in his contract and it cost him millions of dollars and like couldn't like wasn't signed on mm-hmm. the team because the contract came in at 1202 instead of midnight or it's something like tragic.
1: that tragic i mean now when you google it you find all the bioware devs being like we have no regrets about it we're so proud of dragon age and like what we've built and like building our own fantasy world was great and it's like yeah you kind of have to say that though because you got to be kicking yourselves like what the heck happened? dragon age
2: is a pretty valuable franchise now so it's it's nice maybe not right now (laughs) 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 well sure but like i think that there's some some value to like saying hey if we're working with someone else's ip we want to do our own spiritual successor and make our own thing create our own ip
1: Mm -hmm. which is absolutely what they did. Like, they were like, okay, we're going to make lemons out of lemonade. We're going to make something that Mm -hmm. is clearly inspired by and is considered by them and by fans to be a spiritual successor to Baldur's Gate. But it's completely their own and they get to make up their own
2: many you just said uh make lemons out of lemonade i was actually wondering if you were being clever and reversing (laughs) it on purpose i wasn't
1: but let's say i was that should be a
0: saying though right like man you really made lemons out of lemonade on that one you had a great situation that's That's a a, it's like a snatching snatching defeat from the jaws of victory um yeah i think (laughs) it's interesting to think about what what it would have been like if Dragon Age Origins had instead been Baldur's Gate 3, only because, yeah, I really like, I mean, I didn't really play Baldur's Gate, and I really like Dragon Age Origins. And I, I yeah. at least, I liked being able to get into a new world and learn the lore and yes. learn the system and then be into this thing, which has actually been true for me a lot of times. There have been spiritual successors that have been the game that I got into this type of game with. Stardew Valley is a great example. I never played Harvest Moon, and I played like a 1,000 hours of Stardew Valley, and I don't know why exactly. Like I don't know if it was actually the changes or the improvements that Eric Barone made or what. But I love that game. And actually, I've never really played Earthbound. I keep buying it on different Nintendo systems. I own it on so many different platforms. But I've never really gotten that far. And I've played a little bit. It's, I mean, that game hasn't
2: aged incredibly Yeah, well, Let's that's why. Flunkiness.
0: Like, I play a little and I'm like, whatever. But I love Undertale and played a ton of it and kind of have a similar experience with that. Where, like, that game, Like, I guess it's that if... If Earthbound was very really different. like Undertale. Undertale. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, would be I I almost hesitated to include Undertale in this list. Right. I like put it in its own category for a second and then I moved it back. I was like, I don't know how to describe this because that's more like a meta commentary on Games themselves, and also I think Earthbound. it's a super
2: spiritual successor. Turbo Plus, yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, it exactly. started. If I remember correctly, it started as a fan game, like an Earthbound fan game. So it is fair to call it like right. some sort of. It has the lineage, but I wouldn't call it a spiritual successor necessarily. Stardew Valley. Sure, okay. I shouldn't is have mentioned up that. Harvest Moon, but yeah, Stardew Valley, Stardew Valley is, a good is like this is yeah. a better version of Harvest Moon, which I think is is kind of the the or example of this whole spiritual successor thing, right? Like your 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 goal making a spiritual successor is to make the definitive, like, a better version of what you made before or what someone else made before. I mean, before. sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes
1: it's, like, to pick up loose ends or explore something that you didn't have an, a chance to explore in the original if you worked on the sure, original. Sure, but,
2: but either way, you're you're always trying to make a game that's better than what... Like, anytime you do anything, you're trying to do better than hmm. what you did before. So it's not like... Yeah, like there, I think people Undertale aren't trying to make a, a bad
1: game. That's yeah, exactly. Game. <laughs> I, well,
2: I don't know. Maybe for... for Maybe, like, the producers, um, people are just, like, intentionally sabotaging themselves to, like, for for... T- <laughs> (laughs) I think that's less likely. I'm I'm still thinking about this. The idea of getting
0: into a series or a type of game because of the successor, because there are some other examples that come to mind. Like, I don't know if either of you have tried to play System Shock (laughs) 2, but that game is very not not. user-friendly. But I think that a whole lot of people played Bioshock and that was their first immersive sim and it was their first game like that. And it's funny that it even has shock in the title because now people would be like, oh, this is a Bioshock-style game. Like, Bioshock has kind of... Mm -hmm supplanted system shock i think the same thing you could say is true of dark souls and demon souls which that was another yes. kind of legally related thing they from software just wanted to make another one of those and now that the demon souls remake is out and it's like full fidelity i mean it looks better than any other from soft mm-hmm. game because the remake it's is a real so lemons beautiful. out of
1: lemonade situation you might
0: say <laughs> yes um the uh, the it's it's funny that like Soul when people talk about a Souls game, I mean, I guess it's nice that you can just use that shorthand that could mean either one. But for a long time people would talk about a game that's like Dark Souls, and then there'd inevitably be the people who are like, actually, um, Demon Souls was um, the first actually Demon's <laughs> Souls was first. Actually, and then yeah, I'm sure Kingsfield. someone's gonna write in and
1: be like Kingsfield, yeah, oh my god, you beat me to it. I, I- Almost put that in this extremely yeah. complex set of notes we have here, but I was like, you know what? Even I don't care about Kingsfield. But then we brought it up on the podcast anyway. This is important. It's important to get to that. We gotta get all the way um, back. <laughs> I feel like a, an interesting counterpoint as like an example of something where it is a spiritual successor, but it's more just like something the developer thought was personally interesting. Is the Assassin's Creed story, where I like didn't know this? story. <laughs> yeah. This is on Wikipedia. Okay. I, I didn't like. I didn't dive super deep into this, but the Wikipedia comment. entry about it is is very funny. So apparently Beatrice Daily Say was like assigned to make a Prince of Persia spinoff and he was like working on it for a bit, <laughs> but then he went to the library to read a bunch of stuff about like, you know, Persian assassins and like history and then yeah and like as he was reading them he found some books about assassins that he just thought were really cool and he was like what if the prince of persia is an assassin and then like he went a step further he was like what if there's a league of assassins and also they're like all really cool and they're in history and then after that he was like I guess I'm not making a prince of persia game anymore I guess I'm making some sort of assassins creed game (laughs) and the rest as they say is history literally in those games I just found it endearing. I love this story
0: because (laughs) it's so relatable. Just because who hasn't had that experience of setting out to do one thing and then you start researching it and you're like, actually, damn! Like the way more interesting story is this. Yeah, this weird thing about like assassins. And did you know that the word assassin actually didn't always mean what we think it means? And like, senior at work meetings and you're just like (laughs) monologuing at everyone. They're like, I mean, you could make a game about this, I guess, if you wanted. Um, Yeah,
2: I feel like more than so more than one. Ubisoft new IP has come out of that cuz Watch Dogs used to be a driver game and then they were all like what if we wore hoods and <laughs> <laughs> what if we hacked stuff <laughs> what if it was set in Chicago <laughs> whoa what
1: if what if there was a cap that you wore and it was like what iconic? if you had an
0: iconic cap <laughs> <laughs> an iconic cap That's really the question underlying Watch Dogs is what if there was an iconic cap
1: <laughs> Yeah, I ask myself that every day. Yeah, I I do feel like that's a really fun story. It's a lot more fun than BioWare's accounting error story. But- and all the IP Mm -hmm. issue stories that Mm -hmm. I have noted here, like Harmonix working on Guitar Hero and then making Rock Band later. Although that one's kind of funny to me because I remember getting a a version of Guitar Hero World Tour, which was like the spin-off of I Rock remember Band, that like it the was competitor there. to yes. it at the time. And they mailed it to the Phoenix. And so I had like all these instruments that I like took home with me. And I was always trying to convince my friends that they wanted to play Guitar Hero World Tour. And they were like, We would like to play Rock Band. <laughs> this, oh
0: we my God. Don't
1: this I want to play that. I'm
0: so with you. I had the same experience. So what was funny about this, and I had totally not thought about Guitar Hero and Rock Band. So the narrative here, right, is that, like, the people at Harmonix had been making Guitar Hero, and that game was really catching yes. on. Guitar Hero 2 was, yeah. like, the best one. And then mm-hmm. Activision, whenever, like, people left, there was this schism. And they go, and a bunch of the people who were, like, apparently the main talent behind behind Guitar Hero left, started harmonics, they made Rock Band. And Rock Band was like, what if there was drums? Like, what if it was the whole band and there was a singer and it blew the whole thing up and that game was a huge hit? And then suddenly, Mm -hmm. Guitar Hero, which had been the sort of Vanguard series, was playing catch-up. And I remember there was a whole narrative for starters, which this was before I was really in games media, but I was aware of the fact that it was very much like, oh, like, these guys left to go indie and they're the cool ones and they made a good (laughs) game and then, you know... The, the other guys are, like, trying mm-hmm. to copy And now them. they had
1: to make their own version right. of it that was its spiritual successor that it was always meant to be. Right. And, like, right. Guitar Hero World Tour, who cares? Who wants it? I, they just literally left, left to start cop. a rock
2: band. <laughs> right,
0: no, and it, yes. it, right. it has that total rock band uh, narrative that also, I think, practically maybe even exists in one of the later rock band games where they started adding a story. And also, Maddie, I can just really relate to... There was a period where I had, like... I had more plastic instruments than real instruments in my house, and everyone got wanted out to play control. rock band. <laughs> yeah. Only rock band. 2008 was, was a time was. like
1: every party was rock band. There was like every kind of plastic so instrument in every party. You know, it was. Speaking
0: great. of nostalgia, do you think they're gonna do like a spiritual successor to Rock Band? I mean, are they still
2: making those? I guess there's like
1: they kind of well, are. The, I guess the plastic
2: instrument is such a t- in our digital world. Who's gonna go to the store to buy plastic? instruments But everyone
1: misses that. Yeah, I you think would just
2: think, well. There is the night. The, the, night Ubisoft has the Rocksmith. That's right. that's like Which, the new version. I've said this
0: before but like I gave Rocksmith a negative review at Kotaku and that's the review of mine that I think is the wrongest over time that I've come to disagree with the most.
1: <laughs> wow. Pitchfork changing their scores. Kirk <laughs> Hamilton coming it's forward. It's really
0: nice that I didn't give it a score <laughs> but I did give it a negative review because I was just like not into the idea of learning music that way. I've really come around on it and I've even actually installed it on my PC and have played around with it some and it's pretty cool and it would be a pretty cool way to learn guitar. So I said that, but that's not the same as Rock Band. That's not, that's like a guitar teaching tool. It like makes a video game out of it, but it's designed to teach you guitar. You plug a guitar into it. But Rock Band, I think that we could, we could see a spiritual successor for that at some point. Like people might get nostalgic for getting together in the living room and like playing together post-pandemic I don't know maybe uh, maybe this is going to be a prediction I can mean, see me it. for next year. With <laughs> that.
2: it's interesting in the oh, video there are a lot history. of problems with it Jason <laughs> I'm aware of I mean yeah, <laughs> yeah video huge game startup costs,
1: wildly impractical it's funny
2: I actually I mean I think of when all this metaverse stuff has been coming out I've been thinking about stuff like that where it's like suddenly everybody's chasing this trend it happened with Rock Band and Guitar Hero then THQ did those UDRAW tablets that like helped sync it um, and then And then more recently, more recently, like five, six years ago was the whole trend of toys to life, which was a humongous thing for like three years. And then it just suddenly ended all of these things just move in these cycles. And I, every time I see people talking about the metaverse, I just keep thinking about that and how silly it all is and how Mm -hmm. it's just going to disappear. Well, But
0: the metaverse isn't, Plastic junk. I mean, I know you need a maybe need a VR headset, but you don't even necessarily. But it's not quite. It's, it's not it's, toys and, and it's stuff. Not, you have to buy. Yes, but it's
2: but it's just fads. It's like how the industry just follows these fads, and then everybody moves on to the next thing. That's just mm-hmm. what I'm talking.
1: Mm-hmm. About. It's pods. Yeah. I, I mean, it really all comes back to <laughs> pods. Devilistic. I'm really pods. glad. To have the opportunity to bring up Pogs on the show, Um, I don't know how we got here, but I'm just really glad that we are here. Here's
0: a thing. So this is kind of related to this in like wanting to have a multiplayer feeling that you had, which I do think there's... I think that there's probably some hunger for the Rockman oh, thing. Oh, are you going
1: to talk about Back for Blood? Yeah. The, the game that inspired this topic in the first place, yes. and we mm. haven't talked about it yet? So I'm going to, that's what I'm
0: doing. I'm steering us um, onto Back for Blood here Boulevard. Here we go, here we go. So I've played a lot more of this game since I talked about it on the show. This game rocks, and it's it's such an interesting game because in a lot of ways, it's like a dressed-up Xbox 360 game. Like, it, it kind of is old-fashioned when you're playing it. It's like, okay, this is a little just, like, there's nothing going on here really, that feels super current gen. Like, given that Left 4 Dead was more than 10 years ago, um, like, it's kind of the same thing. And it actually has less features. Like, it has, you know, fewer multiplayer features. So it's kind of, it doesn't feel like super current, but it doesn't feel like any other multiplayer game that I can play. And I think that that is, like, the real appeal of it. And that's sort of, when I think about a spiritual successor, it's this question of, like, what is the spirit of a game, right? Like, what does it mean yeah. actually? Is
1: the spirit being succeeded or not? <laughs> well, right. <Yeah. laughs>
0: like, it's a, because it's a really profound and almost like ethereal, beautiful idea, right? A spiritual successor. We're taking the spirit of this game and recreating mm-hmm. it. So, what does that mean? And in this case, it really is just this specific kind of vibe like getting with three people and then just hopping in and like immediately playing and just playing for like an hour and it's just sort of a thing you can kind of repeat and it's not it's not weighted down with all the like games as a service loot shit of like destiny or warframe or something it's just way Mm -hmm. lower impact because it's from an earlier era where multiplayer gaming was just way lower impact and i am at least much more nostalgic for that than i realized and playing this game really drives that home Mm.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting to play a game where you're collecting a bunch of doohickeys to level up your character, but you don't have to pay for any of right, them. Right. And like you're you're just collecting little doohickeys. Mm-hmm. And it's it does feel like it's from another time. And like the idea that you just keep playing the game and that's how you get better yeah. at the game and your character gets stronger is you just keep playing the game over and over and your friends are ideally also continuing to play the game over and over at roughly the same rate as you. And you're all just hanging out Together and playing the same game for a few weeks, mm-hmm. and then maybe you move on to some other game. It's it's peak two thousand seven. It's, it's nice, rock right? band. Yes. It's really tapping in <laughs> to that same four player. Good vibe. example
2: of a legally distinct sequel, right?
1: Well, I mean, it is by the same studio. In this mm-hmm. case, it, it is a legally distinct. I would sequel, say yes, but it, very much so. It is. Also, technically, the same exact people making it again. And I'm it has sure there's some new people,
0: right? Too like there's probably yeah, no, I'm sure, yeah, 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 of course, yeah. of
1: course. But it's still Turtle Rock Studios. But yeah, it' Back for Blood. It's a pretty fun game, but. I don't know if I'm gonna keep playing it forever. I like enjoyed it well, for a few weeks, but it doesn't it doesn't have the well, it doesn't have the metaverse quality that that Mark Zuckerberg wants but I to think monetize. That it's just I don't wanna live in there. I just want I to But I think hang that
0: that's a strength of the game, or at least that's like part of the nostalgia is yeah. playing this, and I've I haven't finished, I've gotten partway into act two, and knowing that the same group of people that I played with, we could just come back and play it again in a couple months if we're yeah. all bored, and it doesn't have it's just there isn't that destiny thing where you come back and you're like, oh God, there's like four seasons have gone by since I last played and there's all this new stuff and I have to like totally reconceptualize my power level and I don't even know. And like one guy in our group was playing this whole time so he's like the wrong level and he knows what to do but we need him in our party. Like none of that. You can just go back to Back for Blood any time in the next, however long, as long as the servers are running and just play it a little bit more. And it's like so low impact in that way that that too feels like a sort of capturing of the spirit Of Left 4 Dead, which I should say is a game that like people still play as well and is still really fun because you can just still play it because it's the same game that it was you know 11 years ago when it came out.
1: I think part of why Back 4 Blood both does and doesn't feel nostalgic for me is because it feels like it is both recapturing what made Left 4 Dead great and yet also catering to the people who've been playing left for dead this entire time. <laughs> so it's like for me in theory, like right. the person who stopped playing left for dead in 2010 or so, but it's also kind of for the people who've just been playing left for dead since I think they call themselves debtors.
2: They're a hardcore debtors. Yeah, <laughs> <Like> debtors, yeah.
1: <laughs> Never left fours. <laughs> that they call themselves. Sure. Yeah. Not left for behinds.
2: Before we go, I feel like I want to propose a fifth, a fifth rubric here. Okay, um, here we go. This please, kind of fits into please. the fan letter, but it's, Different, um, okay. because I think that that there should be a category for. A, a game like The Rival where um, The Rival would be the name of the category Ooh. where a game comes out. The
1: Guitar Hero World Tour if you well, will.
2: Well no 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 a game comes out <laughs> and it's really bad or broken or busted and then something else comes and everyone was like this is the game it should have been so like Torchlight to Diablo 3 is like everyone mm. flocked to Torchlight because Torchlight 2 because it felt like what Diablo 3 should have been or like um, City mm-hmm. Skylines when the, that terrible SimCity reboot came out. Oh City that's a great one. Came that's out. that's very like, true. Oh, yeah, let's go sure. play City Sky and I think there's there's a space where it's
1: like almost an accident that they come out at, at the same. Sometimes, time. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it's almost
2: it's like serendipitous. Yeah. Sometimes it's that. But but oftentimes it's just like the the narrative becomes like, oh, you don't like this? Well, come play this game that is that is a lot like yeah. it, but way better. Um,
1: kind of like how the Final Fantasy MMO is for World of Warcraft players who are leaving, where it's like it's not a spiritual se- sequel, but it's an emotional sequel for the person who's looking for a replacement. <laughs> that would be that might be
2: their a different
0: category. <laughs> that quite switches successful. And people people kind of seek this out. I like this category because people sought this kind of thing out when cyberpunk was happening, like when that game came yeah. out. There was a lot of they like... They
1: really did. You know, a lot of articles were like, this is the cyberpunk right. game you wish had right, been exactly. the other one. It's like people look uh, for that narrative. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I understand yeah. it. I understand it. But yeah, I i feel like my rubric is perfect but i will accept this fifth entry i'm putting it in
0: italics uh, because it's
1: because <laughs> it's not it's mine. like
0: needs citation.
2: <laughs> sure yeah sure. definitely
1: okay well this was fun this yeah. was fun to talk about let's wait, take wait
2: you guys triple click is a spiritual successor to
0: Kataki's foot no triple click is totally its own thing i don't even know what you're talking about mm.
1: It might be a legally distinct sequel because we lost the IP, but we don't.
2: No, no, it's the stapler. Developers quip but then form a new studio that makes a game very similar to the one they made at their prior studio. Okay, it's okay. True. This is a stapler. This is a stapler. This is a stapler. I
1: think
0: this the important stapler. thing is that Triple Click is an office space reference. Uh, exactly.
1: <laughs> and we'll be back in just a second with one more thing. Hey, kid. Your dad tell you about the time he broke Stephen Dorff's nose at the Kids' Choice Awards. <laughs> In Dead Pilot Society,
0: scripts that were developed by studios and networks but were never produced are given the table reads they deserve.
2: When I was a kid, I had to spend my Christmas break filming a PSA about angel dust. So yeah, being a kid sucks sometimes.
0: Presented by Andrew Reich and Ben Blacker, Dead Pilot Society, twice a month on maximumfun.org.
2: You know, the show you like. That hobo with the scarf who lives in a magic dumpster. (laughs) Doctor Who. Yeah! Hello, I'm Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. And we host Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. Every week, we share media that made us who we are. Things like Archie Comics, Sailor Moon, and lots of Taylor Swift. And now that Riley's an adult, it comes with 100% more butts. And now I am totally comfortable with it. So check out new episodes of Still Buffering every Thursday on MaximumFun.org.
0: Butts, butts, butts. Join in, Riley. Butts, 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 butts.
1: And we are back with One More Thing. Jason, why don't you go first? Because your One More Thing is what my One More Thing was. Last it's like week. the
2: relay. One more thing. Yes, I have. I have begun jumping into um, Guardians of the Galaxy, and unlike you, Maddie, I am actually quite delighted by this game. I'm surprised at how much I'm enjoying it, and how much it feels like. Um, better than the MCU movies. I really just enjoy the writing. The writing just really pops for me. Um I'm up to like chapter five of this game. For people who aren't familiar, this is it's a totally new Guardians of the Galaxy take that really feels like it's it's trying to the the characters definitely feel like they're trying to be their MCU equivalents. I say this as someone who hasn't read the comics, so it might just be everyone's trying to be the comics, but to me it feels very much like Drax is talking exactly like Drax. Yeah, Rocket in the film is, is. Like, extremely Will, Bradley Rocket, Cooper. They're all movie. exactly much like like facsimiles of, of their MCU versions. Um, but for me, it really works in a way that the Avengers characters didn't. It just, I think the performances are just way better than like the Avengers. It's it really is a good contrast to the Avengers game that came out last year because this feels like what I want from a new Marvel game in 2021. Um, I really am enjoying it, and like to me, it just it's yeah, it's so snappy and fun and like the performances are just really good the writing is just like like the gameplay is whatever just shooting things uh, and it's it's cool yeah, whatever to cubes, use the abilities but like mm-hmm. yeah a lot of QTEs a lot of just using abilities spamming abilities and that's whatever but like to me the writing has been just really good and I really want to see what's gonna happen next in the story I'm just really enjoying the banter and like making decisions what I really like is just how much of it is there there is like in every mission you're constantly being asked to make these decisions and like choose one one line of dialogue or another.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it is true. They are constantly talking. Like it's like either Which this I is the really thing enjoying. you love,
2: right? It's just it's very funny <laughs> that this was the thing that Maddie was not yes. so hot on last yeah, week. Yeah, the thing we are the describing that you the are, identical
1: right. qualities. Yes, yeah. yes, the thing that yeah. you
2: were down on, I'm very high on. I'm up to like chapter five, just really enjoying it. Um, well, we'll do a triple play on this in a few weeks, so we'll get more in depth on this game. But for now, I just want to mm-hmm. say I played a bunch and I really like it. So if people are on the fence and they think they might be interested. I mean I'm I'm super enjoying it so far. Yeah, it'll be fun to talk about.
1: Yeah. I have some more thoughts about all the talking, but I'll save it for the triple play. Yeah, There's save it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I've
0: played as much as you, Jason, and I'm generally enjoying it too, I'll just say. But um but yeah, we'll cool. we'll talk about it when we do a whole episode about it.
1: Mm-hmm. Kirk, what else are you playing?
0: Oh man. So I want to tell everyone about a game that I'm not gonna tell them too much about because it's one of those games that's better if you don't know a lot about it. Um it is a game called Inscription that's out on PC and is a super, super cool game. Okay, so this game is made by Daniel Mullins, who made a game called Pony Island, I know that's really well known. Like, he's kind of known for making games like this, though I haven't played one of his games before. And it's a card, it's like a deck building roguelite, sort of. But it's also a mystery, and it's also an escape room, and it's also this, like, meta, layer mindfuck kind of a thing that, is the reason that I don't want to say too much about it, because the delight of this game, and I am really into this game. I've played, like, seven or eight hours of it. I'm pretty far. It's it's just in the, the discovery and the, like, finding these weird secrets and these layers to the game as it kind of peels back for you, and you realize, like, what is going on? Like, this just happens constantly. I'll be playing, and it'll challenge you or surprise you in some delightful, weird way, and you'll realize that there's this new layer to it that you didn't understand. So it's one of those. I'll say that this isn't a huge spoiler because the game begins this way, but this game starts, you load it up, it's very old school looking, it actually looks a little like Return of the Obra Dinn, uh, the visual style, it has that kind of degraded old like Macintosh graphics look, and it loads up with this screen where you have to click the mouse, click to start, and you can't start a new game, you can only continue. And also, you're clearly within, like in a game within a game, like you're on someone else's computer at the very beginning. And it's like, okay, we're starting the game now, and then you start the game, and then you're in the game. And then it's like, so there's layers deep from the very start, and that just continues throughout. So you're already a little off balance at the very beginning of it. You're like, okay, what? And then the experience, the early hours of this game are also very confusing, and there's a lot of sort of unfair game mechanics, there are things that are thrown at you that you just don't understand, and actually the card game at the heart of it I think is really good and really fun as I've learned how it works, but also because the game is working in all these other weird layers, there are just times where it like messes with you or you have to think outside of the game to kind of get to make progress. I've found it to just be so, so cool. Um, I gather that the two of you aren't playing it, so I don't know if we're going to talk about it more on the show.
2: Um, I really want
0: someone to talk to
2: about this game. Well, I played a bunch of it. I mean, I got to the second boss and was kind of like, all right, I don't know if this is for me, but it sounds like I need to play more. There's a lot more than that.
0: Yeah. Like, so that's not, I mean, but I I don't want to say anymore. Maybe
1: I'll give it a shot. I just, I don't really like card games generally, but I do like mysteries and all the other stuff you mentioned. So maybe I could convince there's a lot
2: of card game in it there um, is that's what I've, but also I've been there's, off.
0: there's a lot of mysteries as well and I've kind of gotten into the card game too like I don't love card games either I guess I got really into Gwent but like you know it's it's a fun game with cool rules but that's not really my kind of game but I'm so much more into the adventure of it and at this point I mean I'm far enough into it that like it's just gotten really wild and I need to know what happens next I keep finding myself playing this game until like midnight when I meant to go to bed an hour earlier which is kind of
1: always a good yeah, sign the, the best endorsement <laughs> I can
0: give of it um, so it's a really really cool game I just wanted to get it on anyone's radar who hasn't heard of it and uh, I won't say anymore but um but but yeah, it's called Inscription, and it's Inscription C-R-Y-P-T. So uh, yeah, right. pretty easy to find.
1: It's a cool way of spelling inscription yes, it with is. a Y. And, uh, yeah, Sweet. it's a neat game. All right. Well, I'm playing a game too. Um, so I beat this little four-hour indie game that is called Unpacking. I played it for PC, but it's also on Switch and Xbox. Not sure if it's on PlayStation. I don't think so. Maddie, and it you had sounds... me in four
2: hours. <laughs> I know, right?
1: I don't know if you I don't know if this would be you two's vibe or not. I Maybe it's just because I'm really tired of all the talking in Guardians of the Galaxy. No offense to that game. I just wanted something where that was not the vibe at all. And this game is the total opposite vibe. There's no text. There's no talking. There's no people in this game. It's like House Flipper in the sense that you're just walking around a house clicking on stuff. Are you, like, unpacking? Like, you are unpacking. Oh, you are unpacking. However, and I, I started this game just thinking it was going to be like House Flipper. It was just unpacking. Mm-hmm. I saw the way I found unpacking was because Robert Zachney was playing it on a Waypoint stream, and it was, like, so relaxing to watch him clicking on, like, a little teddy bear to remove it from a box and then clicking on Mm -hmm. a pillow to, like, put the teddy bear on the pillow. And I was, like, just doing that with, like a billion things in a room and then when you're done it's like look at this beautiful bedroom i was like this looks like the greatest game like dopamine Mm -hmm, up the wazoo mm -hmm. forever i can't believe you want to do this after
2: moving this year
1: (laughs) i like unpacking in real life because i have problems Mm. we like moved here and i unpacked instantly and dina was like i'm learning so much about you like that you're insane um i like immediately unpacked everything and she was like is it cool if i Don't unpack right away. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. I just need to do this (laughs) with my stuff. I I need to know where it is. I totally
0: get it. There's something very calming (laughs) about unpacking. And especially unpacking when you just have to click on things. It doesn't even require anything of you. Way better. It's like.
1: Like cleaning the windows and house flipper is so soothing because you're just clicking on the dirt and it magically disappears. This is like that, but unpacking and everything's adorable. So I didn't expect there to be a story, but there actually is a story and it's a purely environmental storytelling mode because there can be nothing else and so like you have the character move in with roommates and like the tension is like she has to figure out where to put her stuff with like all this other shit around and then like you can like see the stages of her life I won't spoil it oh that sounds really cool but it's actually really rad and like heartwarming and poignant at various parts and I just I was so into it and it just put me in a really good brain zone for a few hours um so I really recommend it it's called Unpacking
0: Unpacking Unpacking. that's like what's that style of game like house flipper and viscera cleanup like soothe core or something there's got to be a name for it right where it's like
2: just calming mm-hmm. activities soothe core yeah a or good. like the
1: power washer simulator yes power washer simulator game. is a great example yep. of this Kirk that's yeah. a I feel like
2: you just invented it on the fly soothe core
0: that's pretty Soothcore. good soothe core I bet if you google that it, it already exists I'd know nothing it's is like, new
1: I mean you couldn't call the genre this but it, it very much is romanticizing chores like yeah, it's not yeah. what it's like to do chores in real life it's purely the nice thing about right, doing right. a chore where you're checking it off the list it's only that and none of the actual work of doing the well, chore
2: well Maddie that's all video games
0: well no, I know, right Right. I mean, That's why they're so good. Th- yes, this has been said many times that visceral <laughs> cleanup detail is actually most games just in reverse, but it's the same thing. Yeah. You, you walk into a room <laughs> full of monsters and you clean out all the monsters with your shotgun. Uh-huh. Yes, uh-huh. of course. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh.
1: Anyway, great stuff. Um, so this has been another triple click. It has we been. We did it again? For it has. Us. It hey. has been. We it did has it. Been
2: we made another it. Click. Another all spiritual right, well. successor.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, we're our own. Look things. out next week for our, <laughs> our,
2: our next week will be our spiritual successor to this week's episode. That is okay. true.
1: Yeah, I guess that is, that is true. All right, we'll see you next week for that. All right, see you see next you week. Yeah. Bye. Mm-hmm.
0: Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. TripleClick is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a member at MaximumFun.org join. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time.